Hi, this is Tim Matheson. I am the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. It is time once again for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 309. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have such an exciting show for you. Tim Matheson is going to be joining us. Of course, he was uh, the voice of Johnny Quest. He was on Burn Notice, Heart of Dixie Right Now, and Otter on Animal House. So, we got a great show coming your way. I don't want to hold you back anymore because Tim Matheson is coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So, let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness. Remake Madness. Well, it looks like Chilean director Pablo Lorraine will helm the remake of Scarface as they once again prepare to say hello to my little friend. And a reboot or remake of the Grudge series is in the works. Remakes seem to be getting a little bit sooner all the time. And the live-action remake of Peter Pan called Pan from Warner Brothers will have a newcomer in the role of Peter. It's Levi Miller. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. New movies, it looks like Meryl Streep will star in Ricky and the Flash. The film will be directed by Jonathan Demme and the script by Juno's Diablo Cody. And you can look for real-life husband and wife Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris to star in a comedy called Vacation Friends. And a new film called Earth to Echo follows three youngsters who meet an alien. Sort of like an 80s film we remember. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming away as far as sequels, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Sequel City, well, Ice Cube will return to the barbershop once more in Barbershop 3, and Disney has announced sequels to Cars and The Incredibles. And the same way James Bond has changed actors as they age, so may Indiana Jones and Iron Man. Rumors are out that a younger actor will take over the role of Harrison Ford's famous Indiana Jones. And a new Iron Man will replace Robert Downey Jr. Will it work? We'll find out. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming away as far as TV on DVD? I'm going to tell you next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
TV on DVD, it looks like Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson will come to DVD and Blu-ray on June 10th in HBO's True Detective. And June 17th, you can look for Power Rangers Megaforce Ultra Defenders as it lands on DVD, video on demand, and on digital download. And May 13th, Season 4 of Eastbound and Down arrives on DVD and Blu-ray and digital download. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, Movies on DVD. <laughs> movies on DVD. It looks like Jack Ryan's Shadow Recruit with Chris Pine and Kevin Costner will land on Blu-ray and DVD on June 10th. Her will make its way to Blu-ray and DVD on May 13th. And The Monuments Men with George Clooney, will hit stores on May 20th. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen Beyond, it's TV time. <laughs> TV time. Well, Sunday night, April 6th, you can look for the return of Granite Flats from BYU TV. And last week, I attended a press luncheon with the cast and creators of the show in New York City, and it really looks like a very exciting season. So get ready for that, and you can look for Christopher Lloyd of Back to the Future and Carrie Elwes of The Princess Bride to be guest stars on several episodes. So get ready for that. That looks like a lot of fun. And a word is out that Chelsea Handler will leave her late-night talk show at the end of 2014. That's it for TV Time. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond. Tim Matheson is going to be joining us. He, oh, so many things he's done. The, the list is just, I mean, it's pages and pages and pages if you look at it. But uh, we all remember him, of course, as the voice of Johnny Quest, depending on your age. And uh, Animal House, he was Otter, Burn Notice, and Heart of Dixie that he's on right now. And he's also directing an episode that airs Friday night. So be sure to be watching that and catch Tim Matheson on Heart of Dixie on the CW. So, he's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guests include Johnny Quest, Otter from Animal House, Mike Beardsley from Yours, Mine, and Ours, Larry Sizemore from Burn Notice, and Dr. Brick Breland from Heart of Dixie. Of course, it's all one actor who played all those roles and so many more. It's Tim Matheson. Tim, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, how are you, Brian? It's good to talk to you. Great. And, you know, Tim... You started so young in your career, and it's still going strong. You're on Heart of Dixie, and uh, Friday night you're going to be uh, on the show and directing that episode also, correct? Yes. This week um, is, is uh, one of the episodes that I directed this season, and um, it's, it's kind of a game changer. I can't say too much about it, it's, uh, but things change in Bluebell, and um, it's, um, it's always a treat. You know, to uh, to direct an episode of Heart of Dixie, working with our excellent cast: Rachel Bilson, Jamie King, Scott Porter, and Wilson Bethel, Cress Williams. I mean, everybody's so wonderful, and it's it's like driving a Ferrari. I get to <laughs> sit back and say, "Okay, where are we going next?" You know. Yeah. So this isn't the first episode you've you've directed on the show, correct? 
I've directed seven over the three years we've been on, and um, it's in addition to acting. So it's 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 sort of my um, my home show, you know. I mean, really, uh, prior to this, I had been doing you know a lot of directing pilots. I did the pilot for Covert Affairs and the Good Guys on Fox and mm-hmm. a, a n- number of different pilots. And since I've come on Heart of Dixie as a regular. I can't really do anything else, so um, I'm really um, I'm, I'm just happy to have a home that is as nice as Bluebell. Yeah. Now, is it is it difficult to be the director and act in the show? You know, it it can be, um, especially with a character that I played as long as I played Brick Breland. Um, it's not that difficult. The first time I really did it, I mean, I, I'd done it in some television movies, but the first time I really did it was on Burn Notice, and it was um, it was quite challenging. But what happens is, like in Burn Notice, working with Jeffrey Donovan and, and Bruce Campbell, they're such strong eyes on acting, and you know, and, and they they keep you honest and real, and you know, um, so it, it it's it becomes a more of a team effort because I can't really. Focus on, hey, gee, how did my thing do? I mean, I was like, so you just get feedback from the others and and um, and then move on, you know. But it, it it makes it a lot more fun. So how did you become involved with the directing in the first place? You know, I I think I'd always wanted to be a director as much as I wanted to be an actor. Even you know when I was a kid, I used to shoot movies with my buddies at junior high school and high school and. Uh, we did little animated films, and and so I always made movies. Um, when I was under contract at Universal, I, I conned them out of giving me an editing room so I could cut different movies I was making and stuff. And um, so I had always wanted to do it, and then just the opportunities for acting were so numerous um, in the first half of my career, and uh, that I couldn't really fit anything else in, and then. Once things opened up a little bit, you know, once I once I got older than fifty, it was like the, I wasn't the leading man. I was the parts weren't as challenging or they weren't as um, frequent. So I just said, now I've got some time. Now I'm going to really just sort of explore this possibility. And and it was like, you know, keeps you young to start a new career midlife. Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and humble because because <laughs> you you have to. You know, you have to prove yourself all over again. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, you mentioned the different shows you've been on, and um, when I told some people that you were going to be possibly on the show, uh, and it's, it's funny because, you know, one person said, oh, man, I love him in Burn Notice, and, and then someone else will say, oh, Johnny Quest. And, <laughs> and then, you know, of course, Otter from Animal House. And, I mean, it just – everybody – remembers you for a certain film, movie, TV show, whatever. And uh, it's just been such a long career. When did you decide to become an actor? I I had always wanted to be an actor. I don't know why. I mean, um, my parents went through a divorce. I was like seven or eight, and, and I remember spending a lot of time just hanging out at the movies, watching films over and over and over again. As, as kind of a, a safe haven, a place to go, you know, uh, that was safe. And and I had popcorn. And so um, I think I always felt like, wow, it would be great to, to be there inside the screen because it, it's every time you look at a movie, it's the same thing over and over again. There was a constancy to it. So um, I 
came back after the sixth grade from San, San Bernardino, where I lived with my aunt and uncle, and, and my, I went back to Burbank living with my mom, and, and um, all I wanted to do was get in the movies. And uh, through one way or another, I finally got some auditions, and I, and I finally got a couple of parts, you know, a line here, a couple of days there. And so, I, you know, I, I was not like, overnight success but I, I you know i got some parts and i and i started learning my craft and uh it was um it was fun and exciting and um and it was a dream come true how old were you when you first got your first like tv show or you know, you know not not as a, the star but i mean a, a role on a show or a movie i did a show called window on main street that robert young was in right after father knows best yes, wow. and um, I had a one-day part, and I was a friend of the young guy who was the lead in the show. Um, and then, um, so I did that, and then um, I think I was 12. Wow. You know, so it was like uh, I was on my way. And, you know, but then I didn't do another part for, you know, two, three months, and then I, you know... Uh, and, and, uh, and then I'd get another part and another part in a commercial here and there. So it was like, it was just, it was a good way to start, slow and steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing I noticed on your credits when I was looking it over, you were on My Three Sons. It seems like everybody I've interviewed, or, 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 or <laughs> not necessarily everybody, but a lot of the people had a start at one time on My Three Sons. Well, it was a great show. Oh, know, yeah. It was, it was so much fun. Yeah. So, you know, was, and of course, you were on Leave it to Beaver, too. Yeah, I did a couple of Leave It to Beavers, and and uh, I really thought that I'd landed. You know, man, I, was, I remember going to a party. I got invited to a party at Jerry Mathers, who played the Beaver. I got invited to a party at his house, and I thought, wow, this is the big time. You know, <laughs> this is a pool party. I, you know, I was twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, or something. And it's like, wow, <laughs> my mom dropped me off. <laughs> <laughs> now, you also did a lot of work for Hanna Barbera, and yes. I, I noticed that. Um, of course, Johnny Quest. I mean, that's you know, that's just just that was a great show. But you also did a show called Sinbad Junior. Yeah. And I I don't honestly remember that one. Um, but that you was did... a syndicated show, I think, with Mel Blanc. Oh, it, it, so that was like eighty-one episodes you did. Yeah, it was right after Johnny Quest. Um, these syndicated shows came up, and I did two of them. I did Young Samson. Sinbad Jr., um, and um, I did another one, Space Ghost. And um, so, you know, it was a funny transition point for me. I think I was like 16, 17 years old about that time, and I was transitioning from being a kid actor, you know, My Three Sons and all those kinds of shows, mm-hmm. to a young adult actor, and I, I, I wasn't really getting any work. I was kind of like at this gawky stage, so... All of a sudden, I got immersed in this voiceover, cartoon voice work, and it was like a whole other kind of of actor. I mean, but Mel Blanc, who did the voice of Bugs Bunny and, and all the great uh, cartoons at Warner Brothers, was one of the best actors I ever worked with. I mean, so these were very, very talented people who made a huge amount of money who... Nobody ever knew who they were, you right. know, and they did all these voices and, you know, and announcing and stuff like that. And so it was a, a whole other aspect of the business that I didn't even know existed. And it, it, it filled the two or three year transition period for me until I started doing westerns over at Universal, uh, mm-hmm. the Virginian, and then uh, the 
bonanza and and so through my early 20s that was sort of the western phase of my career right. yeah yeah now working with mel blank what what was like did you actually be were you in the studio with mel or you know nowadays they they can tape one person one day and right, another person right. another but back then were you in the studio with mel yeah back then it was like a radio show you just you all got together oh, at a okay. certain time and you acted it out uh in front of microphones there were like six eight ten actors all at once playing it and and there you know it was it was deliver right now so that it was it was fascinating it was um just working with those guys and and going up against them and and you know it really it pulls your game up and and uh i i just plus i had so much fun you know and then i would um when because i was doing johnny quest they were still doing the flintstones and the jetsons so i go watch them record that and, wow watch you know watch those shows being made and it was it was a treat you know I and mean, joe barbera was was a wonderful man and and uh, they they had a huge industry yeah and, and johnny quest was um it, it only ran what 20 30 episodes something like that right just one season but it seems like that tv show more than any other cartoon just lives on forever it's yeah. it's just such, such a classic well, it was the first sort of real kind of characters. I mean, the characters had, had more of a relationship to reality than the Flintstones or the Jetsons, which were obviously cartoons. Right. And, and we were sort of reality-based, you know, somewhat violent uh, action show, and they were trying something new, and as as those guys often did, and uh, Hanna Barbera, I mean, and and so it was a real treat um, for me to to be involved in that you know at that point and you know we'd record one every week or two and um it was um it was it was so much fun i got to work with really wonderful actors uh paul stewart who'd been in the mercury players with orson welles and you know a lot of great classic actors character actors from back in the day that i'd grown up watching on old movies you know and and, uh, so and and so it was a real treat for me to to visit those guys and you know uh, from a different era of hollywood yeah and it's funny because and like i said i was talking with people about having you on the show and when i said johnny quest s- several women actually said johnny quest was my first love <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a cartoon but <laughs> yeah we were safe they were yeah right <laughs> Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Now, you've worked with so many great people, but yours, mine, and ours, you worked yeah. with Lucille Ball and Henry Fonda. Uh, what yeah. can you say about that? <laughs> well, you know, at the moment, you know, you didn't, I mean, I thought a lot about it. I mean, Lucy's pretty impressive, and so was Henry and Van Johnson and, and all those people. Yeah. And uh, But what I learned from them was even more important, I think, you know, and you look back and you go, oh, my God, you know, you, you just... Again, working with talented people, 
that are, you know, and Lucy was very demanding and, and very uh, exacting and, and wanted, I don't care if you're three years old, you will be professional, you will know your lines, you will deliver your lines, wow. and you work with your props and, and uh, be part of the scene. So she she held everyone to a high standard, especially herself. She was very hard on herself. But, gosh, she was talented, you know. Oh, yeah. um, and what a role model for a female uh you know, actor, because um, women really didn't have, you know, they were in a subsidiary position, and I think, and, and she was, for, for all the young actresses that I was working with, she was a tremendous role model. She, at that time, had just sold Desilu Studios, I think for $17 million, which is probably close to a billion dollars today right. or half a billion dollars and you know it had been an empire that she built on uh, that was built on her back with 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 desi uh for i love lucy and they bought all these lots all over hollywood and and um you know and, and they created an empire and then i think she sold out at that point and uh a very very successful businesswoman in addition to being a great artist and uh so and and couldn't have been more generous and giving to all the people around her. I remember she'd, she'd sit you down, invite you into her trailer, and say, "How you doing? What's going on? How do you like the show?" You know, and and just talk about the business. And uh, you know, that's that's a rare gift that uh, that I'll always look back on fondly. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned when you mentioned that Lucy was such uh, so demanding when she was working. Um, we had Carol Cook. I don't know if you remember her, but uh, she was on Lucy, one of Lucy's uh-huh. shows. And she was saying the same thing. She was very demanding. And we had uh, Lucy's daughter on the show. Oh, yeah. And uh, she said the same thing, that her mother was, she wanted things, you know, it, there was no playtime. It was work. I'm sure Lucy Arnaz was held to the same standards as everyone oh, else. Yes. Yeah. I had done, uh, I did an episode of Here's Lucy with Lucy Arnaz and Lucille Ball um, a couple of years after uh, Yours, Mine, and Ours. And um, Lucy was, Still the same. She was, you know, tell him to speak up. You know, she was just, she wanted me to project more. And Gail Gordon, who was in the show, who was, uh, I was a big fan of his from Our Miss Brooks when I was growing up, yes. Mr. Conklin. Um, and Gail Gordon came up to me and said, don't worry about that, Tim. Don't worry about what Lucy said. She was yelling at Richard Burton to speak up last week. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, thank you, Gail. <laughs> you know, but, and, and she would be mad at you. She was just, you know, she just wanted, Things, pop, 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 pop. You know, come on, professional, let's go. She wanted it played. I like to rehearse and feel things out. You know, I was uh, learning my craft, and Lucy wanted it at performance level from the second you came on the stage, the first time you did it. You know, and I wasn't trained that way, so it was it was hard for me to jump right into it. But that's the way she was, so you learn to adapt. Jeez. <laughs> Now, Animal House, how did you oh, yeah. get on that show? Was it, the, I mean, not the show, the, TV, the movie, rather. Uh, did you have to audition, or was they, were they looking for you? or? Oh, my God, no, I had to audition. As a matter of fact, they didn't want me. Uh, I had um, met with the casting people, and uh, I think I met the director. I didn't read, or, or no, I, had, I don't know if I met the director. I met the producers or whoever I met, and they just said, you know, I had long hair, and uh, I'd just come out of westerns, and... Uh, they said, no, nah, no, nah, he's a cowboy or a surfer. He's not preppy. He's not East Coast preppy. Um, and I don't think he's ever done any comedy. Well, 
at this point in my career, I had so I was so sick of playing these nice guy parts, and I wanted to leave. The westerns were sort of over, and so I started uh, taking improv classes with. And we founded a group called the Groundlings out here in Los Angeles, and so I was performing uh, with the Groundlings and doing improv, and um, I just I begged them, just give me a shot, just let me audition, and through the, a favor to a studio exec that we knew. He said, just, you know, throw him a bone, let him come in and play it, and if you don't like him, that's the end of that. But I got a chance to come in, and it was the best material that I'd ever seen in, in my life, and, and I got a chance to uh, audition, and unfortunately I was with Peter Rieger, I got, who played Boone, mm-hmm. and um, that worked out well, and I auditioned again and came back again, and then finally after, I think, my second or third audition, the director, John Landis, took me out in the hall, and he said, You've got the part. You were bad, you know, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. So, um, it, you know, it worked out. But um, but through perseverance, you know, because they just they said, no, I was wrong, and, and they didn't even want to consider me. Hmm. Jeez. Now, that film, I mean, when you say classic, that comes to mind. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a classic film. Uh, and the people who were on there, the cast was just so amazing, and they've all gone on to bigger and better things and uh, how was it working with all those people well we it was an amazing cast and 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 there was an amazingly talented group of people but we all i think were in agreement that it was the best rock solid script we'd ever seen and god love him harold ramus who we lost recently and, and doug kenny who died years ago um, and Chris Miller wrote this just immaculate piece of comedy, unlike anything that had ever been done before. It was sort of sketch comedy, kind of seemingly improv, but seemingly very straight, you know. And Chevy Chase was supposed to play my part, and Dan Aykroyd uh, had been in mind for D-Day. Hmm. But John Landis, when he went to make the movie, he didn't want a bunch of Saturday Night Live people. You know, he didn't want it to be the Saturday Night Live movie, right. for better or for worse. But for better for me, because I got, you know, I got to play Otter. And, and uh, But it was, we felt so supported by that script and by those scenes. And uh, I think everybody was pretty sure-footed about how to play it where the comedy was and not to try and do too much with it and we played it all pretty straight you know i mean uh, everybody had a unique different kind of comedy too john belushi hardly had any dialogue mm-hmm. so it was very physical comedy he right. and d-day and um, i had a lot of verbal romantic stuff and and uh, peter regert and karen allen were sort of you know the, the romantic couple more groucho marxish you know i mean it was so everybody had a unique different kind of comedy and um, I think that was one of the things that worked so well for the movie was that there were all these different brands of comedy so it it, it lent itself well to the ensemble yeah it was, I mean it's a great cast there was no question about that oh, uh, they uh, I, I could not picture you may you mentioned some other people who were considered for the roles but I couldn't picture anybody else for the the roles that were there it yeah it, they, it just wouldn't fit but well, in that sense, that we were all unknowns in, the, in that regard. I mean, sort of, because I'd never done a comedy before, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so they were taking a chance, but it didn't have the baggage of all the SNL stuff, you know. Right. Um, and, and, and Belushi had really not, he'd acted in one little thing before going south with Jack Nicholson, but 
um, small part, and he had never really done anything like this. And um, and Landis, you know, was used him well, and 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 he was the center point of the movie, the centerpiece of the movie. He was brilliant. Oh yeah. Now, back when we first started this show about seven years ago, we had two guys from the Porky's movie, which which is in the same vein as, you know, the wild, crazy movie of Animal House. And um, they had said that on set, they were very, you know, everybody did their job, but after they would be partying animals. Now, your Animal House was partying animals on the screen. (laughs) Was it like that? Off the off uh, screen when you guys were you know off. Well, I, not for me. I mean, there there was Bruce McGill. We I, Bruce and I stole. A, he played D Day. We, mm-hmm. we we didn't steal. We borrowed a, an upright piano from <laughs> from the uh, lobby of the Roadway Inn, I think, or the Quality Inn, or whatever the heck it was we stayed at in Eugene, Oregon. We just rolled it across the parking lot and put it in his room. So every night there'd be kind of a gathering of the clan uh, of the Deltas anyway. We wouldn't let the uh, Omegas in. Um, in, in his room, and, you know, and, and they'd, they'd party and have fun. I, on the other hand, I had a lot of dialogue. So I couldn't party because I had a, you know, I, I was uh, being a kid actor. You know, I got to bed early. I learned my lines, and I, and I worked mm-hmm. on the scenes, and then I would, I'd go to bed. I'd get up early and work out, and get ready to go to work. I mean, that was my sort of regime. So I didn't party that much. Uh, on the weekends, we'd go out. But um, it was, you know, there was only five weeks we were we were there shooting the movie, and it was six-day weeks. weeks. Wow. So we didn't really have much time. Saturday night, you might go out and, and, and get a little silly. But, you know, um, it, it was... You know, make a movie is is not all champagne and limos. You know, it's right. uh, that that's usually afterwards. <laughs> but um, you know, and and this was a right before Christmas. I think we shot from Halloween. We got up to Eugene, Oregon. I think a couple of days before Halloween, and then we wrapped December sixth. I think uh, and and headed home. Wow, that's that's a fast shoot. Boom. You know, yeah, it was it was pretty quick. Wow. Hmm. Now. Of course, TV, you've done so much. Uh, West Wing, what can you tell us about West Wing? Great show. Well, thank you. I mean, it, the best writing I've ever you know, been involved in um, on television. Um, unique, um, Aaron Sorkin and Tommy Schlamme, uh, who directed and produced, and Aaron wrote and produced, I mean, the most dynamic team of creativity I've ever seen. Um, and I often felt, you know, and, and the characters were fully realized. You had to say the lines exactly as written, down to the punctuation. Wow. Um, you know, they would come up to you sometimes uh, after a take, and uh, we had two script supervisors: one to make sure you said the lines right, and one to make sure that all your mo- your movement was uh, repeated correctly. But um, they come up to you and say, "No, that's you're making that's a comma, not a period." Wow! You know, so it was exacting in that way, very much like when when you're doing the classics or Shakespeare or you know mm-hmm. Chekhov or anything. So you, you, you know, from my experience of doing that, this was very much like that, and it played at pace and um, very challenging technically to do, and but it it was a group of actors. 
the likes of which I've not seen on television in a long time. Oh yeah, Jeez. that were at the top of their game and just you know it was like I rem- I ran into Rob Lowe who lived up in Santa Barbara where I lived and we were, our kids were playing baseball or softball and learning to play softball and he was telling me about this show the West Wing that he did the pilot for and uh, you know about politics in the White House and I thought. I didn't tell Rob, but I just thought, oh, my God, that's just going to be so boring. It's going to be just so tedious. Hmm. And then I got a chance to come in and audition and, uh, and got the part, and, and I looked at this first script, and I was like, oh, my God, this is anything but boring and, and slow. I mean, it, it played more like a, a romantic comedy, more like um, an old, like His Girl Friday or something. It mm-hmm. played like just this electric energy thing going on and it was it was it was wonderful and it just from the first episode it showed on tv it was a hit and and people you know all in agreement just had never seen anything quite like this before idealistic um positive and and filled with you know energy and wore its heart on its sleeve and yet was great drama you know and 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 was very satisfying Well, Tim, I know we're running out of time here, and I, and I don't want to hold you up too much here. We could talk forever because there's so yeah, many other right. things. <laughs> but I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Sure. Taking us away from your acting and, and everything you've done, uh, when you sit back and relax, what do you watch on TV now, and what are, your, what are your favorite TV shows of all time, and what are your favorite movies now and of all time? Well, you know, just currently my favorite shows right now – uh, True Detective. Ah, yes. Love that. Breaking Bad, certainly. Uh, um, so, I mean, and, and I've done a lot of this binge-watching of, you know, uh, House of Cards, mm-hmm. um, True Detective, and, and, and Breaking Bad, so I've been doing that. You know, when I'm shooting on Heart of Dixie, I don't get a chance to watch television regularly, so, you know, a lot of different shows I, I, I have to catch up with in my off time, so that's what I'm doing now. Um, movies that I, uh, I like... Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I am a kid in this business, so I, I mean, I I love all the classics, and you know, Lawrence Arabia certainly, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, Stanley Kubrick's films, and and but I was a huge Tony Scott fan. Uh, Man on Fire was one of my favorite movies, and and uh, um, you know, a lot of the Tony and Ridley Scott movies. Um, but uh, you know, Hangover, I think you know the, the Hangover films and and Judd Apatow's movies. Uh, in terms of a new comedic spirit in in uh, in, in today's um, movie world, and um, you know, and I, but I'll go see everything. I, I my, one of my favorite movies right now is a movie called Dom Hemingway yes, with Jude, Jude Law. Law. Yes, knocked me out. It's so much fun, and um, it's it's um, it's just an ex- exciting to see Jude Law play a part like this. It's unlike anything you've ever seen him in. Mm. So. I'm just wide open. I, I'm a huge movie fan, and um, I, um, I'm always looking. And, and I'm a very good audience. I mean, I like going to the movies, and I like uh, uh, being a fan of the movies. So I'm, I'm always there rooting for everybody to, to make it work. But um, so I, I'll see anything. I just saw Divergent, which I thought was pretty good, and you know. Um, so I'm, I'm just, I'm out there. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tim, I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us here today and I want to make sure that everybody checks out Heart of Dixie on the CW uh, on Friday and you'll be in it I presume yes and you'll be directing like I said yes 
So uh, I, I want to congratulate you on both of those things. And, thank you, Brian. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. It was a treat. Thanks again. Great big shout-out going out to Tim Matheson for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. So happy to have him on the show. He's done so much and gave us so much fun and, and so much drama and everything else he's done. And, of course, be sure to check him out on Heart of Dixie. And this Friday, you can catch him, and he's going to be also directing that episode. So uh, be sure to check that out on The CW. Well, it's been a busy week, and a lot of things have been going on, and uh, glad that you uh, have joined us, and uh, I want to thank everybody who's sending out emails to me. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I try to get back to you as fast as I can. And if you have a suggestion for a guest here at On Screen and Beyond, be sure to e- email it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And I really do try to get everybody that you suggest. Uh, sometimes we can't make the connection or sometimes, you know, they're not available or they're not doing interviews or whatever. But uh, at least it gives me an idea and who we can try and who you'd like to hear. So uh, I hope that you will continue to do that. We appreciate everybody all over the all over the globe that's uh, sending us the word. Uh, I mean, Israel and and uh, Germany and and China and every place else. It's just so many different places, and we do appreciate it. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. And that is about it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care.